Hey guys, welcome back to another LTF1 podcast. Hope you've been enjoying the content we've been putting up over the last few days. My name is Akshar. I'm Raj. And I'm Ishan. Let's talk F1. Straight in, first topic, big statement. Is F1 too fake? Is F1 too fake? Um, I don't necessarily agree with that statement because I think things like DRS, have helped i don't think they are the answer to um making f1 more real and making f1 more exciting with more overtaking but i think they help i think drs was a good idea but applied wrong because uh, there was a poll in uh, 2018 uh, on f1 fans voice uh, regarding uh, drs and about how people thought it should be used and 34 um percent said it should be used within DRS zones but 33% of people said it should be used on all parts of the track whenever the driver wants um, and like, like like the old curse yeah and I think that would be good but the third option is the one that I most agree with which is it should be used on all parts of the track but a limited number of times because I think if I think it can be taken advantage of if a driver gets gets to be able to use their DRS as many times as they want. Because if you've got a driver using it on every lap when they're within any distance of any driver, it would just become too much of an advantage. But I think if you get a limited amount of times, because F1 at the minute is very strategy-based with uh, what we said on last podcast about tyres um, and about tyre management. So I think if if it was the same sort of concept but with drs having a limited number of times that you can uh use drs per driver but anywhere on the track i think that would be the best compromise to keep the racing strategy based but more exciting so how would how do you think that would work if you could use it say five times over 10 laps or every other lap you can use drs then is that everyone can use drs the chasing car and the leading car or is that time delta still applied? Um, I think it'd work best if it was the if it was cha- the chasing cars allowed to use DRS still because I think if both cars use DRS and both you know are getting that small advantage, then it equals out and you might as well have no DRS. Whereas if the chasing car gets to have it, but a certain amount of times, then I think. Um, and then I think it creates more exciting racing. Personally, I I used to like the old curse system, and I think that that would still work good in today's day and age, because it's the driver's then choice when they get to use it, and whether they want to use it in, say, if they're getting more speed out of the corners, there's not a set place where they have to use it. It's their own personal decision. I feel that would work quite like F1. I would quite like to see cars come back as well. To be honest, especially the cars in the form of a button that's controlled by the driver. They know how much yeah. energy they have and they know how much how long they can deploy it for. Uh and it re energizes itself every lap like it used to. That's a good idea. Going back to DRS and its application, I think uh, if it was able to be if it was to be used at any point on the track, but a limited number of times per driver. I think it would help teams like Williams and, say, Alpha Tauri, because they might not have 
well, they definitely don't have the same level of cars as the top teams do, but it would help at least uh, them be able to get back in the, to be able to get back closer to the pack again and to be able to maybe sneak a point for George Russell, I hope. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think it'd be helpful to the smaller teams as well. And at the back, I, I think it's being applied wrong. I feel with the experienced drivers, they know how to utilise it better, so like the Raikkonen's and uh, potentially the Danny Ricardos. I feel like they'd be brilliant at it. Yeah, I think Danny Ricardo especially would be that experience, deadly given yeah. Because Danny yeah, Ricardo, his, his overtaking ability. Yeah, he's probably, I'd say, the best at overtaking on the grid at the minute. Yeah. Isn't that still fake, though? Isn't that just fake yeah. in a different way, though? It's still um, a, an added thing. So, yeah, I do agree to an extent that changing the way DRS is used would be fake. But I think, I think across all sports, um, certain things come in that aren't necessarily real or genuine, but they're there for the sake of entertainment purposes. And because at the end of the day, it is entertainment as well as, as much as anything else. And, for example, like in the old days, football used to have the golden goal system to decide a game, which might not have necessarily been the best way to decide a game, but it was exciting and fast-paced and good to watch, so it was brought in. And I think it would be the same with DRS if they changed the rule for it. Um, I I think it would add add an entertainment value to F1 again, uh, even more so than it is now. And it would still, so, as I said earlier, keep the uh, strategic racing style. So F1 should focus more on the show than getting bogged I'm... down in what's real and what's not. Uh, yeah, I do think so. Because with safety regulations and so on, F1 will never be, it will never be what it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s again. So I think the best way it can compromise for that is to create external excitement with things like that and to try and make it high pace but stay within you know the safety limits it has to be so actually do you think the 2022 regulations will bring about excitement to formula one and fix that element i think they certainly have the potential to if they deliver on the promises that ross Braun and his team have put forward that outwash is going to be reduced by crazy percentages and cars are going to be able to follow not having their downforce uh, taken away from them in the wake of another car. But at the same time, I'm quite sceptical because what F1's teams do best is working loopholes around regulations. They'll find a way to get the downforce back on. I think it was in 2017 to 2018, we had a small technical change and they said, you know, we're going to, the cars are going to be half a second slower around a lap or a second slower. And they ended up going faster because of loopholes. So I think if they've written the regulations well enough, then yeah, we'll get a mixed up grid and different winners every race, hopefully. But I've not got much faith in in the ability of F1 to regulate teams in that sense. Yeah, I think the best example of uh, a team finding loopholes um, around things is a few years ago when it came to mounting cameras onto F1 cars and Red Bull on their front wing 
instead of mounting the camera so it would film, you know, the race, they mounted it in a way that it didn't film anything but fit the car better aerodynamically. And I think the same will apply for 2022. I think where team, I think teams have enough people and enough money to find ways around nearly everything, and they always do, and I think they always will. So I don't think I don't think racing will change that much with the 2022 regulation. So would you say there's any point of even having the 2022 regulations? Um, I think they're made with the right intentions, but the individual application of those intentions won't be the same with the teams because the teams the teams intentions like Mercedes right now are clear at the top and they won't want that to change so they'll do everything in their power that keeps them as number one when those when those um regulations come in and it's the same for every team every team will try and use those up use those um use the new rules to their advantage to make a faster car I don't think any of them will do them in the spirit of having a more exciting race. They'll do it in the spirit of um, project, projecting us up the, up the standings. Also included in the 2022 regulations, I think even from next year in the 21 regulations, is the banning of copying from photographs or going down a similar route the racing point did this year. And personally, I feel like that's a massive loss for F1 because... We've had so much excitement this year from Racing Point being able to catapult themselves up the standings. I can see why it got banned, because the teams vote on these things. And obviously oh, yeah. the other teams don't want uh, Racing Point to be able to do or another team to be able to do something. But imagine if Williams was able to copy Mercedes well enough and they came out next season contending for podiums. You'd see a George Russell podium. Who doesn't want to see that? Well, I do. Well, I know you do. Um, but, but yeah, I know it. It's not. It's not an ethical thing to do, but it's exciting. And I get the end of those sports about excitement. But I can see why teams wouldn't want other teams to do that. So as a whole, it'll probably be better off for each team individually. But as a viewer, it's been really exciting to see Racing Point this year doing really well. And it won't. I think the thing with F1 is they take one step forward with, as we mentioned on the first podcast, their budget cap. But this, for me, is a one step backwards because it'll, it'll make it harder for those smaller teams, even though, as I say, it's not the ethical thing to do. It's a thing that's helped make this era of racing more exciting. It'll be interesting to see how they police it as well because. There's a million different things a team can do to mask where their designs have actually come from. Yeah. And so we might not see the end of this. And how no. do you feel about the the off-track dramas, like the Racing Point drama that was mostly off-track in appeals and lawsuits and things like that? Do you, do you think it enhances the sport? or? Um... I would say that I think it should be kept to the side. Yeah, it well, it it should be, but again, it goes back to the excitement and the drama of it all. 
it makes it a little bit more exciting when there's a bit of controversy. And there's always been controversy with McLaren, Spygate, and you know the Red Bull team orders and Ferrari team orders and things like that. So I, I think that for a fan that's following everything, it adds. And for a fan that's just tuning in for a race weekend, it doesn't detract anything. Should we move away from on-track F1 and talk about Hamilton's 7th title and whether or not he has now done enough for a knighthood? Well, in terms of uh, public opinion on Lewis's knighthood, there was a recent poll in which I believe around 23% of people said that they don't want Lewis to be knighted and they think potentially it's too early, even though he has achieved, let's be fair, everything that he could have achieved in the sport. Most race wins, most pole positions, joint most championships, numerous records, but he's still not held in the same light as some of the other drivers. What's your opinions on that? So what's everyone waiting for then? They want him to retire or die and then he can is yeah, how I read into that. Yeah, um, I agree with that because I think Lewis Hamilton's won everything that he can. He's broken records. He's equal. He's equal records. He's arguably the best driver of all time. He's from Britain. I think he deserves it. I can't see a reason. I can't see a strong enough reason that outweighs why he should um, be knighted. Uh, a few years ago, this conversation came up as well. And a lot of people pointed to Lewis Hamilton's tax record. And you know, he's private chair and this and that. But as far as I know, he's actually remedied that in terms of tax. And that's never stopped anyone else from being knighted. I feel that potentially, if you have somebody like, let's say, for example, a Mo Farah who, has not, who by no means has finished his career and he's re- received a knighthood, then I think Lewis is well deserving and should be next in line for that for the knighthood but especially I mean if you look at people like Bradley Wiggins Chris Hoy these sort of people they're the British equivalent of sporting heroes and in terms of F1 Britain has only we've had the Sterling Mosses we've had the Jackie Stewarts and the present day one in that category is Lewis Hamilton but it depends on well Public opinion, I feel, is a big is a big thing, and it could potentially sway that decision whether he gets a knighthood now or in ten years' time after the end of his career. But it is more symbolic if he gets it now, as a current F1 driver. We've seen a lot of comments on Reddit coming from people that are saying the only reason Lewis Hamilton hasn't been knighted is because maybe Britain doesn't value. F1 in the same way it values other sports or sporting achievements because F1 is more of a show. Uh, a lot of people are pointing towards the Olympians that got knighted after performing once in one Olympics because it was at home, whereas Lewis Hamilton's dominated his sport and will continue to dominate his sport and still hasn't got a knighthood. So if we look into the activities of the previous week, then six-time world champion in snooker, Ronnie O'Sullivan, has been speaking about this matter, and he stated that he does not believe Lewis Hamilton to be one of the greats in sports. 
and he he alluded to the fact that Formula One is not a level playing field, and the fact that the only person who can really challenge Hamilton is Bottas. But he said that in terms of sporting achievements, a sport like tennis is much more about subjective talent and how each individual has thrived on that talent and got to where they are. So the likes of Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, the likes of Tiger Woods. And he, as a sportsman himself, does not see Lewis in the same light as those individuals. What do you guys think about this? So I completely disagree with what Ronnie O'Sullivan said. And I think the reason is F1 is a skilled sport and there's too much of a myth that F1 is all about the car and um, not about the driver. Because a lot of people don't realise that getting an F1 car is not the same as getting in any car and being able to drive it. Because people think you should be able to get into an F1 car, they can drive and it'll go fast. But the level of skill just to drive an F1 car and get it around a track competently is shown, you know on Top Gear a number of years ago when Jeremy Clarkson was given a similar car to an F1 car by Lotus and he could barely get around a lap. And the level of stress that it um, induces on a driver with the G-forces and the amount of strength needed to cope with that, I think it's a silly comment to say that, you know, it's not like another sport. Just because I think in other sports, if you... It's, it's down to the individual, whereas this is given to a team. If someone in tennis has a better coach than another tennis player and they have more money and more budget for better trainers, better dietitians, of course they'll be better at the sport. And I think it's the same for F1, but with a car. So I think Hamilton deserves to be seen as one of the great drivers, one of the great sportsmen even in the UK. That plays for football as well. If you're going to give a 900 to one player, then why not the whole team? Because one player or one coach can't do, can't get a team to a, a victory. So yeah, I'm not sure about Ronnie's comments there. Yeah, because if you, you know, if Man City win the Premier League and say Aguero wins Golden Boot, you know, Man City have a much better budget and a lot more money and a lot more resource, a lot more resources to to finance Aguero's talent. Whereas if you gave Aguero to someone like Colchester United at the start of his career, um, he he wouldn't he would never become the same player because they're not you know they don't have the same setup, the same money, and it all comes down to money at the end of the day in all sports. And I think uh, so. I think the comments are silly and they don't make too much sense personally. I just think that personally, Ronnie O'Sullivan is a genius in my eyes, because I've watched Snooker for a very long time, and you know what? There is consensus with his point. Um, there is an argument there to be had. Whether or not we've answered that argument or not is a matter for our fans to decide, but I do feel like there is a bigger debate that could be had there, which we could possibly lead into in a different podcast. But I think the issue with the argument to be had is that Partially, some of the argument alludes from a myth. The myth, as I mentioned earlier, that you know an F1 driver is only good because he has a good car. And going back to George Russell, is on a Saturday how much he outperforms a car says you know that he's a very good driver. So I think it comes down to individual talent as well as the car. I had to get George Russell in there, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I had to get George Russell in there, didn't you? <laughs> 
Shall we talk about um, the future of the current F1 crop and how we see them evolving, such as the likes of Perez and Ocon? Do we think Perez deserves to stay in F1, especially after this week? Yes. This week, he showed that he is able to race still at the top level and deserves a seat in the coming future. But what do you guys think about that? I believe he deserves a seat, but I don't think that he deserves the second F1 seat, uh, the second Red Bull seat, rather, because he's going to Red Bull knowing full well that he's going to be a number two driver. And while he's a great driver, I feel like his seat's not getting taken up by Albon. It's getting taken up by maybe a Latifi or a Mazepin somewhere else in terms of drivers that maybe deserve to be an F1 or not. And with Ocon, he really needs to start getting on top of Daniel Ricciardo because if he can't be all over Daniel Ricciardo, Alonso might come in and kill his career like he did with uh, Stoffel van Dorn. Well, yeah, if you look at Ocon in the driver standings, he's not not even remotely close to to being anywhere near Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, sixth and twelfth. Like Ocon, I like him as a driver. I want him to do well, but um, but I don't know. I can't see. I can't see a long-term future being there because there's other good drivers coming up, like <clears throat> like Joe from F2. How long do you think he has? One season with Alonso, or are they, are they going to give him the benefit of the doubt? I think it'll be dependent on how he does next season because I think if he carries on performing at this level, I can't see. I can't see him lasting. I feel like if Alonso comes back with the level of talent that he even had towards the end of his McLaren career, I don't think Ocon's got a chance. Van Dorn was a highly rated F2 driver and Alonso wiped the floor with him and ended his F1 career, really. So I don't, I don't see much hope for Ocon. And even if uh, Guan Yu Zhou comes in, it's going to be very difficult for him to get on top of the car and on top of the, I think, mind games that uh, Alonso might be playing in the team that he's at. Yeah, I do agree with that. I think, I think anyone that's going to have the, um, the seat next to Alonso is going to have a difficult time unless it's another already established driver. And even with that, that would still cause other, other tensions and other frictions. So... I don't know. I don't know. As I said in the first podcast, I don't necessarily agree with Alonso coming back into F1 next year. So I can't, as you say, I can't see Esteban Ocon lasting too much longer. Uh, Peter Windsor made a good comment or an interesting comment on his YouTube channel uh, saying that Alonso's return to F1 might not just be purely as a driver. Because uh, a lot of the rhetoric that he was giving out uh, when they announced his move was, you know, I don't mind if the car's not there. We're building a car for the next generation, for Renault going forward. Uh, and Peter Windsor hinted that maybe Alonso coming back, strengthening ties with Renault and then going into a team management or a team principal role, even maybe a team owner. Because uh, he's got his, you know, his Kimoa line and his karting set up. Uh, I think that would be very interesting to see Alonso as a team boss. Yeah, I could see that happening. I can see 
I can see the sense in that comment. I can see why I said it. Um, I don't think, I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't want Alonso to come back, and I don't think he should have come back. So I think there's other ways he could have gone about strengthening ties of Renault outside of racing. But yeah, I do agree that that's probably where he's getting at in the long term. What about Hulkenberg? He's part of this conversation as well. Came back, two good races. Can, is he in contention or is Perez's performances just ended that conversation? I think so. Perez is, uh, Perez is just too good. Perez at the minute is fourth in the driver standings. I think he's just too good. I think Hulkenberg, you know, came back and, you know, he did take his opportunities, but I can't see I can't see Hulkenberg coming back into F one for the near future, um, with a permanent seat. In my opinion, I feel like if Hulkenberg doesn't come back this year, then that's it, he's missed his chance. Two years out of F1 with the crop of youngsters coming up, I don't see anyone taking him. I feel like he's definitely put forward his name for drivers who are capable of being in F1. And and he, that experience that he has definitely puts him in a strong position. But I, if you're one of the teams looking for somebody to fill a seat, would you want an aging driver or would you want a potential young driver who may or may not turn out to be um, a future star, maybe, but would you want to take that risk? That is the question. And I feel like if I was a team boss, I feel like somebody like a Hulkenberg does deserve the chance and would repay that trust as he has shown this season with the two appearances that he has made. I think F1's in desperate need of an 11th team, there's just not enough seats on the grid to go around. Um, as a car fan and loving their cars, I would love to see Lamborghini make an appearance. As mad as it sounds, I would love to see them make a Formula 1 car. I do agree, but I think for me, and it might be a sentimental thing, is I'd really like to see Lotus make a comeback. I'd really like to see, I'd really like to see a Lotus team come back again. For me, it'd be... Howdy. So this is going to be the end of this week's podcast. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notifications bell. And be sure to follow our other social media channels, which is on Twitter at underscore LTF1 underscore and Instagram LTF1 official. Thank you for listening.